It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You are amazing. You can dye hair green. Even pose nude. You can get a freaking cast. Somehow get backlash of Jennifer's lack of love. Or we can start speaking up. Nobody's gonna hurt you, though they try to. Come the shooting from gin. Shot by the snipers, all the red screens. Sometimes nobody wins. But I wonder what would happen if we say what we wanna say and let the mole fall out. Honestly, we wanna see you be the mole. Oh, yes, really, Kate. And let the mole <laughs> fall out. Honestly, we wanna see you be the mole. Just wanna see you. We just wanna see you. We just wanna see you. We wanna see you be the mole. Just wanna see you. We just wanna see you. We just wanna see you. We wanna see you be the mole. Okay, hi everybody. Mole Patrol, we're here. Josh Wickler here, Brooklyn Zed, Jessica Lees. How are we doing, friends? Uh, well, Josh, I, I got to tell you, we, we got to stop doing this podcast right now. Okay. See, I did a podcast about an hour ago uh, with Mike Bloom, and we talked about the same episode. Uh, and then after so that, this, we're going to lose ad revenue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rob uh, came up to me and said, we have to stop doing the podcast right away or we're going to lose all our ad revenue. Wait, so Zed, you and I, we can't give our mole takes this week because Jess and Mike Bloom already did it. Is that, do we think that's right? I don't know. I kind of think Jess might be the mole here. I feel like there's some sabotage going on. Or am I the mole? She does have know. an illustrious career as a podcaster and a cooperologist. So I don't know if I'm supposed to trust her or fear her in this moment. I think let's just go ahead and podcast about it anyway. Yeah, maybe we better just do that. How much of that ad revenue are we really seeing anyway here? (laughs) That's a good point. It's a very good point. Uh, So we'll just keep it going. We're just going to keep trucking here. The Mole Week 4 Laser Tag. You didn't tell me there was going to be laser tag in this. That I would have signed on years ago. We're not supposed to spoil you on anything. I know, Josh. no, and I appreciate that. I appreciate that. This, this is how I know that you are, you are both vaults when it comes to the mole. Because I, we've never had a conversation about laser tag, but I have to imagine that, um, you know, like a, a a doughy white boy from Long Island. This dude's played laser tag before. This kid had pizza party birthdays at laser tag palaces. Uh, and this is palaces. definitely going to be a box. Yeah, laser tag palaces. Have you? Have neither of you ever played the laser tag? 
Not in a palace. Yeah, they all they don't like what they call it. It's like, I know. Laser Castle or Laser Kingdom. <laughs> laser Kingdom was real. Laser Kingdom was real. They they don't have laser tag in Montana because when you get to be that age, they just take you out and let you shoot real guns. Uh huh. Sure. <laughs> yeah. This is like, all right, liberal Jew. Here is a laser gun. <laughs> I'm like, nice, cool. This seems fun. Uh, here's a bunch of laser snipers that you have to dodge in order to win thirty thousand dollars. It's the name of the game, at least one of the games this week on the mall. Uh, Jess, like you had me a little bit panicked last week. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if, how you were feeling when Jess was saying this Zed last week, but Jess, you were talking about like, well, the top moments of the mole from season one have already come and gone. And I was like, oh no. So is this going to be a slog? And then there was laser tag. Yeah. The rest of the season is still a good time. Yeah. I wasn't Just saying it was there's bad. A, there's an unbeatable moment. It's in episode a, it's three. A, <laughs> well, that said, there is another Kate moment in this very episode that is also pretty magnificent. Yeah. He tries to assassinate Steve in front of everybody after the game has been lost and she's still <laughs> going to try to murder her teammate with a laser gun. That's incredible. Kate's the best reality show contestant uh, of 2020. Don't have me. <laughs> More than tw- more than Tony Blockos. This is my question oh, yeah. for you. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just wanted to to get that on the record. So, well, that's because Tony's already the king, and you know Tony had Kagi on. I got to give this to Kate. Uh, Kate is entering my heart here in 2020, so uh, I have to give Kate the the, the personal Wiggler crown. Uh, that's like well, that's the key to like when you're coming up with a rankings list. You really want to like come up with something provocative at the top. So like the, the easy sp- number one spot would be Tony at the top, but the provocative number one slot would be uh, Kate, the investor from the mole the show the that's two decades old. And here she is coming in number one in 2020. Yeah, we could put them up there with Roofer Lee from Tough as Nails and we got a pretty good trifecta. I really got to do the Tough as Nails, don't I? You got to do the Tough as Nails. I mean, yeah, I even Phil, like Phil loves Tough as Nails so much. Yeah. Uh, Jess, do you want to give a quick plug for the Tough as Nails coverage that you and Rob and uh, I believe Mike is doing this as well, and apparently Phil Kogan and Phil, your, your <laughs> yes, apparently first, uh, talking head on that podcast. So the only currently airing reality show right now, only game in town is Tough as Nails, which is airs on Wednesday night. Game in town, just about the only game. Yeah. I mean, there might be something on Basic Cable, but. The only network reality show that's brand new is Tough as Nails. If you Wednesday were night, uh, quizzing Zed, Zed and I every week on uh, is this a real reality show airing right now or not, Zed, I feel like we'd do pretty well on that one. Yeah. <laughs> the answer is none of these are real. <laughs> Nothing is real. Uh, we're all in the Matrix. Yeah. I hope. I almost hope, I almost hope that that's true. So then we could like... Uh, get out and uh, do uh, martial arts and beat the robots. And I feel like I I like our odds in that scenario a little bit better than I like our odds in reality. Yeah, it's I feel not like, like my, both my, of them are bad, but... I feel yeah. like I have more talents for, for that scenario than yeah. this one. Yeah. Yeah, definitely fair. Um, Tough as Nails, only game in town. Yep, Wednesday nights on CBS. And uh, we have assembled a dream team of uh, Rob Sesternino and Mike Bloom and myself. We thought that was a natural fit for the program because it's hosted by Phil Kogan. And then the surprise of the summer and maybe the best thing that has ever happened to me as a podcaster, Phil Kogan himself 
has become a RHAP stan <laughs> and is making frequent appearances on our very Tough as Nails podcast. And he is really passionate about the show and wants to see it succeed and is not above appearing on our two bit show to promote himself and it. And we are having a great time talking about every little decision that went into it. So I highly Incredible. recommend that. All right. So uh, my, my follow up to you then is can you ask Phil whether or not he can help us get Anderson Cooper on our mole podcast or does he have any practical advice for how we could trick Anderson Cooper into appearing on our podcast? <laughs> or as any somebody... opinions on the mole himself? Sure. Would he himself like to guest on the Mole Patrol podcast? So just I next can... time you and, and Phil <laughs> get together. I don't want to alienate him, but I do notice that whenever I tweet about Phil talking to us on the podcast, I get a bunch of responses like, oh, hey, is he friends with Anderson? So let's find out. Let's find out. I, I can find out. I think, but I think the formula that we have discovered is if you want somebody to come on your podcast, you need to find their passion project and speak highly of it multiple times on the air. And then they want to come on and talk more about it. Okay. So well, that's where we're at. So well, what I'm hearing is I need to talk more about the news. Yes. And more yes. about politics on this podcast. Yeah, about no, I, TV show. I, 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 I endorse we, it. Yeah. yeah. What, what I think we ought to do, Zed, is we should have a special one off episode where like you just go full ham oh, on man. the news. Please. It's like the news hour with Brooklyn Zed. And then we send it to Anderson Cooper and be like, listen, to, to, to this incredibly thoughtful conversation about the nightmare world we live in. Uh, would you like to talk about the mole? <laughs> <laughs> it uh, might make him feel better to know, oh, not talk about the news. You know, yeah. who knows? Who knows? These, these, are, these are thoughts. Uh, I also, of course, want to give a shout out to, to DJ Hubicki Keeley, uh, who gave us that opening wand off, which we still don't have a great name for the mole equivalent of the wand off yet. Uh, update on that front. Uh, you could keep sending your songs in all season long. Mole Patrol at robhasawebsite.com. We do, in fact, have one other mole-centric wand-off to listen to on this podcast. We'll listen to it at the very, very end. All wand-offs that are submitted about the mole from this moment forward, we are going to put in the vault, and we will play them at the end of the season when we do our season one wrap-up special we will uh, we will unleash the wand offs at that point. So feel free to keep sending them in for sure. We're just not going to be playing them every single week on the podcast. So if you also want to just like save up your energy for the end of the season, that's totally cool as well. But I think uh, mole wand off. It's real. It's happening. We'll just do it at the end of the season. If we're pacing like two parody songs per week at this point, like I feel like there's there's juice there for like one really glorious wand off session. So let's let's save it for the end of the line. That sounds about right. I think that's the move. I think that's the move. Uh, Jess, you had some other business off the top that you wanted to take care of. A, a, a rare question that we actually hadn't um, been uh, uh, asked too often um, over the course of our mole podcast. And you found a, a, a unique question that you wanted to address here on the air at the at the top of the show. Yeah, I can't believe nobody has thought to answer ask us this question before because it's we're four weeks deep into talking about this program. But we had someone ask, Hey, where do I watch the mole? Yep. And I just wanted to answer that question in a calm and respectful manner. Yep. The links are in the 
show notes. Yes. Yes. So <laughs> Just it, embodying a tweet I have sent so many yeah. times. I, I am I am the tweet. If you are if you're not sure how to watch the mole alongside Brooklyn Zed, Jessica Lee, and Joshua David Wiggler, uh the way in which to do this is uh is laid out for you in the show notes of this podcast. So the links to seasons one through five are in the show notes of this podcast. We'll make sure to uh, uh, keep you hip to that being out there every single week, uh, or as long as we have. As long as we have. Yeah. And a related thing I wanted to put out there in the universe again, uh, because we haven't really gotten any traction on this. And honestly, maybe my best bet right now is to just go on ebay and buy a season one dvd set of the mole um even though i really don't i can't play dvds on my computer anymore but um, we would love to get some help from people who can do some some interesting looking screen grabs of the next four episodes of this season so that we have some good art to put up with our with our podcast when we post them to the website so that's one thing and the other thing is after we finish season one, if we haven't if we haven't broken Josh, we would like to eventually do season two. But the only digital copy of season two that we can find is on YouTube. And it's not great. It's ripped from a VHS and you miss a lot of the subtleties. So if someone has has access to a higher quality copy than what you can find on YouTube. I would love to know about that. Knock uh, on our can, door. Let us know. Come and knock on our door. We are waiting for you. We are waiting for you. Uh, yes. The Three um, Company Two podcast is that coming next? <laughs> you know, quarantine goes on long enough. We're going to watch all the shows, Josh. <laughs> it's possible. So, um, and also a a bad answer to that question. Like, don't slide into my DMs and be like, "Hey, there's this person on YouTube. It's on the first page of Google results. It has this thing that's written for a VHS. We have that. Yeah, we don't worry about that. that. We're set. That one. But we if know you have about. something better, if you have something better than that, hit us up. Mole Patrol at robinswebsite dot com. That's your direct line to Jess and Zed. I'm out on the email because I can't risk being compromised on yeah. on, the, on the intel of the season. Do not at Josh Wiggler about the mole, and also do not tag him on Facebook. Please don't. Um, I'll survive. I will, you know, much like Neo in the Matrix. I I don't know kung fu, but I know mute filters. Uh, so I'm <laughs> I'm I'm pretty set. But do be cool if you can. Uh, yeah. Be be excellent to each other for uh, another Keanu. Reference. Yes, and if you want to tell Josh something, you can go through us. Yeah, like, just Jeff, say. Jeff and I do talk to Josh. Yeah, we can, yeah. We can we're talking along. to him right now. Yeah, you know how like they say like I'll have my people contact your people. These are my people, uh, Zed and Jess. Uh, they are my representatives on all things mole. Uh, so they will. Uh, not only do I have strong mute filters, uh, but you are you are my human filters that can can filter out the uh, the spoilies for me. So come and knock on our door. We've been waiting for you, and we're going to talk about episode four of the mole season one, which was once again. I love this show so much. I'm so mad at myself for not having seen it already, but I'm I, I'm not that I'm not that mad because I'm so I need I need joy I need joy. Where is the joy in the world today? It's here in the mole and the, the early aughts and being brought back to life here in 2020 in the form of a ridiculous GoPro laser tag uh, night at the museum hijinks. Can um, we talk about the fact that the GoPros are like the size of a regulation TV camera? 
Yeah. How about this? All right. So there's there's six of you on the battlefield and only two snipers. The odds are in your favor, except for the fact that you have these gigantic laser cannons strapped to your heads that make you the most obvious running, moving targets in the history of laser tag. Uh, there's, there's just, it's ridiculous. There's no way that these people weren't just going to get immediately got. It's a huge amount of equipment they're carrying between the cameras and the battery packs in the back and the laser vests and a lot of stuff. A lot going on. It's too much stuff, but a great visual. Oh my gosh. Uh, There are ways in which our world has not moved forward that sorely need to be addressed. But then you do watch the laser tag challenge from the mole season one, episode four. It's like, oh, well, technologically, we've moved on. <laughs> we can we can just stop doing the thing where it's a close up on someone's face as everything behind them moves. Yeah. Like that Blair witchiness, I I do not miss it. Social justice, criminal reform, like there's a lot of this stuff that really needs to be addressed. Systemic racism, technology, like we are moving forward in in some meaningful ways, so that's nice, right? Like that's exciting. It's encouraging. It's encouraging. <laughs> eh, I guess. Eh. Uh, all right. So we're we're reeling from uh, from the loss of Wendy last week, and when the episode begins, Andy Coops tells us things have gotten pretty grim. Uh, those are his words. <laughs> that things have gotten grim since the loss of Wendy because everyone's tearing each other apart because Kate did everything that she did. Her superhero moment. Uh, was all uh, in, in an attempt to gain an exemption. And now that the idea of exemptions have been introduced to the culture of the mole, uh, there seem to be some, uh, there's some variants of thought, Zed, as far as like, is this cool? Is it cool to be out there for yourself? Like, Jim is down for it. He's like, it's a game. Gotta look out for yourself. And then other people are like, oh, well, I would, I would never, uh, I would never go for exemption. How dare you? Yeah, and I appreciate Jim calling it out too uh, when it's when they're later talking about Kate's opportunity to get an exemption, and he's like, "Well, yeah, who wouldn't do that?" Yeah, and not believing anyone who says, "Oh, well, I wouldn't go for an exemption." Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It's a game. Come on, you got to go for exemption. Maybe do it well, a little more delicately than just like trying to <laughs> whack somebody in the old cinema after the game is over but we have to contextualize this historically though like we know this now in 2020 after we've watched 40 seasons of survivor and 30 seasons of the amazing race and some of us have seen six seasons of the mole but back then you really you really didn't have that context to it and people that are smart enough to figure that out, like Jim, almost come off as a little bit evil. Like, yeah. you remember, this is barely six months after Richard Hatch was vilified for creating an alliance on the first season of Survivor. Like, the sneakiness was something that it took America a little while to get on board with. So when when they have these conversations, it I think to us now, it seems kind of weird because that's everything in every TV show that the three of us watch, like all of it is centered around that kind of behavior, but it was not, it was a pretty new thing then. So this is the conversation that's uh, supposedly being had uh, this, like uh, in, in the opening confessionals of the episodes is that tensions are mounting. And so we're kind of like getting people weighing in on it. 
Stephen is talking about how there's somebody who is starting to burrow into my skin and agitate me. Almost like a mole. And then we cut to to Kate, (laughs) who still has the green hair. Uh, I will. Yeah, that's not going away. You only have to have this green hair until midnight. Uh, Psych, Bazinga, you've got green hair for the remainder of your time on the show. Uh, Kate says, I guess I'm getting on people's nerves. And then they cut to Henry, and I'm expecting Henry to weigh in on this. Instead, he's just saying hi to his wife, Esther. Happy anniversary! This is a a total non sequitur. Hi, Esther! Hi! (laughs) So... Uh, that was that was that got a big uh, wiggler guffaw in watching the episode of that. Where is the what? There was no runway for this. This is out of nowhere. <laughs> Just really giving us that emotional content for Henry on the way out the door. But like, that was like the best they could do. <laughs> I, I want to go back to that later because on his way out the door, they literally <laughs> only have only two people weighing in on Henry. And, makes you wonder oh Uh, yeah but yeah so jim is the one who's like well this game has rules there's a certain level of duplicity that you have to have and dishonesty uh where you are winning for yourself and not for the team and Catherine says this game is intense it never lets up never uh all right so we are gearing up for the first test of the episode and the test shall be laser tag uh and the way that andy coops with his uh his black t-shirt and jeans as they're all walking to the beach and I don't know why they need to be at the beach for this announcement. Uh, he's going to need six people who are up for an adventure and one person who wants to take it easy. Uh, I don't really feel like this is uh, describing accurately what Kate is going to have to do. Kate doesn't have an easy choice ahead of her. Yeah, they say take it easy. And then the, when they first cut to Kate being taken away, she's being handcuffed <laughs> to the wall. <laughs> Like yeah. that's your definition of take it easy is is you have this much like a four inch range of motion from yeah. the wall to your arm. Yeah, you I must think. sit in this chair and not move. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, so they're they're gonna they're gonna chain up Kate. Take it take it sleazy, Kate. Uh, <laughs> I I have to point out here, and this is another like you know this is my slow evolution into being also a Jim Stan in addition to a Kate Stan. I think Jim is so smart here, the way he's really yeah. like burrowing into the fourth wall. And he says, you know, they they can't film, they can't keep filming without us. Uh, so we can take all the time we need to think out this decision and figure out what is the best thing for our group. Sort of breaks the game a few times um he understands that it is a tv show above all else and so he's almost working with production here to figure out what is the best thing for us on this tv show rather than everyone else who's kind of immersed in the game and i think this is one of those moments where you see that happen and it's far from the last one yeah i mean he says like let's stop and think for a few minutes when and when anderson cooper asks us to do something we don't have to immediately reply let's just take a beat and think about it because they're gonna have to wait um it's it's compelling to me that i i feel like this is this is a show that really lets us in on the process of it being a show. Uh, like there's not mm-hmm. just this moment with Jim, but there's going to be this stuff later on Zed with uh, the production notebook. Right. Uh, and how they like, they really like take out the fourth wall there where they show us a cameraman mm-hmm. took, uh, you know, survivor 39 seasons and, uh, and a, a terrible incident to like show us like right. the voice of a producer uh, here in season one of the mole. They're like, no, let's bake that into this. Like, this is this is a, a compelling idea of like take take the the cameraman and have that person be 
uh, a chess piece essentially for for an element on the show. Um, I thought I thought that that was uh, really fascinating when we get to that later with Catherine's decision. Yeah, I think it makes sense because since you have this element of the mole as an arm of production, um, production is so inherently baked into the mechanics of the game that you can't really separate it out. And so you might as well. I mean, they wisely do. It's not a given, but they do lean into showing you the ways in which they are structuring and manipulating things for the players to have to overcome or give into or not. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's literally the, the, the premise of the show, Jess is it's uh, it's us versus uh, us versus you, right? Like Anderson Cooper literally says they're working for us. So who is us? Us is uh, the people who are making the show. Uh, so I, I love that element of this is, um, there, there really is this idea here watching the show where you see, you see the strings and sometimes it comes across a little sloppily. Like I do think that there are some sloppy aspects to the show uh, of like not really getting to fully uh, comprehend the nature of the quiz. Um, in, in the, when they go to the university, I think that they like kind of yada yada through some of the, the questions and stuff where I'm like, wait, what, how did they just solve that? Like there, there are like a few things like that where like, they're not picking up sound bites very well. Maybe they're not leaning on ADR as a concept very well yet, but they are, I think almost ahead of their time a little bit that the, you know, where a game of survivor or even big brother is about the contestants uh, duking it out against each other. Yeah. There is one person that the crew here in the mole are trying to, to stop from sabotaging them too much, but the enemy really is. It's the contestants versus production. And I think that that is really the spirit of a lot of reality TV, uh, certainly like competitive reality TV anyway. It's just that this show is like, that is the premise of the show. That's the point. I think that's cool. Yeah, it's well, it's interesting because sometimes I think with a lot of shows, you don't have um, they don't want you to do that. And I've heard from so many like there's a particular personality type and like Jim is kind of the one of the archetypes for this. But I'm thinking of not Boston Rob on Survivor necessarily, but Boston Rob on Amazing Race used to do that all the time. Game breaker on that. Yeah, it's a game breaker. Let's take the four hour penalty. Yeah. Or let's pay. Let's pay the bus driver to only open the back door. And I think this is a show where they're actively encouraging that as opposed to Amazing Race that kind of got annoyed by it. Yeah. And I, I kind of like that. And another, this is, this is a little obscure, but I had been talking to a contestant from season one of Amazing Race Canada. And he said that they were dominating at a, a certain point because he figured out that every time they talked to somebody on the street, they had to get them to sign a release and they lost time on that. So before he talked to anybody, he'd make them sign a release and then talk to them. Yeah. And production was not was not terribly thrilled with that. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I, I I wonder what the evolution of reality TV would be if the mole lasts longer in America uh, well, because this is part of it from the jump. I think that's a sim- another similarity that it shares with the genius. Yeah, because mm-hmm. of this collective pot building mechanism, you are inherently work the the impediment to you building that pot is productions, challenges and games and puzzles. Um, the genius doesn't most of the time have a player that is working against the other players, but it is still this team of people working against whatever it is production has set up as the challenge for that week. And so 
that's something I find really interesting about the genius is the way that the players are able to figure out how to get around seemingly impossible or entirely luck-based opportunities and find ways to break it so that it they can have a predictable, knowable result. And I think well, the moral works in a similar way. It's it's almost as if it's almost as if people working collectively together can find ways to break free of the oppressive rules. And maybe there are certain philosophies in this country that don't lend themselves well to that. Mm. You said it, not me. (laughs) Hey, so laser tag is about to go down in an abandoned village where Kate is being held hostage in a church. And before it is revealed that laser tag is about to happen, um, I believe the first visual you get is Kate sitting in a chair in the church wearing one of the laser tag like uh, receptacle vests of you get shot in the vest and you're dead in the game. And without the the context that a laser tag tournament was about to begin, my first reaction was like, holy shit, did they strap a bomb to Kate? (laughs) I thought they had like a bomb vest on Kate. I was like, what is happening? Yeah, it looked really especially great with her like pleated khaki shorts Ah, and collared shirt. It was like maximum effect there. It was crazy. And so then they're like, yeah, we've got snipers. They've got laser guns. Like, are we really doing laser tag? This is so, um, this is turn of the millennium bullshit. You know, this is like so 90s to early 2000s is the laser tag bad. Uh, well, correct me if I'm wrong, Josh, ruler of the laser tag palace, but in, in regular. Frequent, frequenter. Let's, you know, frequenter. I'll, allow me to eat some humble pie here. Jester, jester of the yeah, laser yeah. tag palace. <laughs> yes, yes. Do not usually all combatants in laser tag have a gun with which to defend yeah. and attack yeah they do this is pretty unfair and the other thing is is that the, the temple guards on the mole are so aggressive uh like the mole they really in like video game parlance like this is on like uh the the most extreme difficulty setting like your your uh your your bad guys that you're up against are just like overwhelmingly outmatching you They've got snipers and they're very, they've got their own guns and they're very aggressively inclined to just like take shots at you, even if like you haven't moved the entire time. Like Charlie, Charlie maybe is thinking like his best strategy is like, well, if I do not move a muscle and if I stay glued to this brick wall the entire time, no one is going to find me and shoot me. Eh, Incorrect, buddy. These snipers are out to get everyone. Well, I want to talk about I want to talk about Charlie's decision for a second, because I think you can read this any number of several ways. Like you could read it as his strategy is just to not move and then nobody will shoot at him. You could read that he was mildly paralyzed by the situation and wasn't thinking straight and couldn't figure out what his next move was, which doesn't seem like a Charlie thing. Or you could think that he thinks the whole thing is bullshit and just stands there and takes a bullet because he doesn't want to play the game, which seems more Charlie to me. Doesn't he say at one point in this episode when they're doing the phone calls, I was like, yeah, I shouldn't have done this. I wish I didn't play. Yeah. He's not having a good time. I mean, they cast him to be the Rudy Bosch, and he is exceptionally extra Rudy this episode. Yeah, he's really uh, very crotchety Charlie in this episode. The search for the mole will resume after a quick word from our sponsors. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just gonna circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And now we're back to resume the patrol. Uh, all right. So the, the, the game is this. Uh, it's laser tag. You have no laser guns. Two of our people have laser guns. They also have Kate. Kate has been captured. She's taking it easy in a church with a bomb vest on. Uh, you have 45 minutes to find her at the church and take her with all of the other surviving players in the game. Every single one of you, you all have to do this as a crew. You have to find me, Andy C, at the old cinema where you can go and ring a bell and uh, la-di-da, you win $30,000. Um, there's a catch and the catch is exemption is once again on the table for only Kate. Kate is, is two for two with exemption opportunities and the heroic Kate, the investor who waltzed into the town square just a day earlier with green hair, two casts upon her legs and a ball and chain having come straight from uh, a nude painting session. Uh, being drawn like one of Leonardo DiCaprio's French girls, uh, is now being offered a chance at exemption if she is willing to gun down her own. Uh, you will be armed with a laser gun, and when you get to ye old cinema, you must betray everybody in your crew, shoot them in their laser bomb vests, ring the bell, steal the money from the pot, but you are guaranteed to be here uh, through this episode. and. I mean, we never really get to like fully find out what Kate was planning, but the implication is that Kate was going to shoot every last one of them if she'd made it to the old cinema with all, all these people still intact. Right. And this is a perfect example of how power corrupts and you cannot dismantle Absolute the power. system from within the system. <laughs> yeah. Because they give Kate the opportunity to essentially join forces with these invulnerable immortal, yeah. un- unkillable snipers the who are fighting guards. against these <laughs> unarmed, non-violent yeah. players. One We're of them just trying to help Kate. Literally nothing. Exactly. Yeah. It's wild. That was What a wild twist. And even Kate was like, you could like see the turn in her eyes where she's like, ah, the power is mine. <laughs> it's like the one ring. And I think it is it is worth noting that if Kate had pulled this off successfully and single-handedly taken $30,000 out of the pot, she's still on a net positive because she earned $40,000 last week. So I think if I was Kate, I totally would have done it. I would have freaking earned it. 
Yeah, there's going to be debate about this, right? Like, once everything goes down, like, there is going to be Jim being like, yeah, she had an, an opportunity to get immunity. You know, why wouldn't you take that? And it's like, Henry's like, oh, I would never do such a thing. It's like, well, yeah, Henry, well, yeah, that's you why would. you're going to go forth. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's not really why he failed the quiz, uh, the great equalizer, but. Uh, come on, you're not going to take this this chance. Uh, you know, it's going to go horribly wrong. Uh, this test explodes. Uh, it begins with, uh, first of all, they're wearing these crazy bicycle helmets with these huge goddamn cameras on them. Uh, I have in my notes, in all caps, a big LOL, because I was laughing out loud. This is crazy! Uh, the angles are so insane. Like, just like, uh, I had this this moment where I like I saw the future. And I saw how this whole challenge was going to play out. It was like, are all, is all of the camera work going to be like these first person shots of like everybody, like these close ups on everybody's face? Like it was dizzying in my mind. And in reality, it wasn't that far away from that. What I could never have anticipated, Jess, was that when Henry, the first victim of the laser snipers goes down, that he would be screaming, ah, I'm dead as the screen turns to red. And like starts to disintegrate because we are the scene has been cut. We're in we're in Henry's mind as his life is being turned into laser red rubble as he is being removed from this mortal coil on the matrix. Well, well, Josh, you're the gamer. Is this is this not sort of like what happens when somebody dies yeah. in Doom? Yeah, in 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 Resident Evil specifically, uh, when you get yeah. killed, there's the, the, like you're like, getting eaten by zombies, and then the camera swivels up to a bird's eye view as you're just being chomped upon, and the screen turns red, and it literally says, "You are dead." Uh, <laughs> this was the "You are dead" of the mole, and it was amazing. I mean, I guess we've had a couple of moments like this, uh, like with the cornfield maze from uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, but this was severe because then everybody is talking about like, oh god, Henry's dead! And then Catherine, who's just cracking up. Uh, very moly behavior from Catherine. I remain all in. Catherine's my mole pick. Uh, Catherine's like dying laughing as she's just running around, zigzagging all over town, just cracking up. Catherine's dead! She disintegrates into 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 red digital ash as she too is pulled from the matrix. Uh, Jim is taking this very seriously. Jim is a very pleasurable character to watch on television because he's uh, he is that archetype of somebody who's like looking to break the game, is looking at this as just a game, like uh, but it's not an asshole about it. It's like we can all still like be cool with each other as human beings. While also recognizing we're playing a game and let's have no hard feelings about it. I love, I love that attitude. Uh, but there's, but he tries to bring this gravitas to the moment. He's like, all right, I'm going to get out there into the middle of the village. Jennifer, I'm going to draw the laser sniper fire so that you can get further up and closer to the church. Uh, and it doesn't really work. And it's not for lack of trying. I don't think I, I feel like Jim gives it his all. Um, and this is another testament to the fact that like production is playing to win. Production is, they're not pulling back. They are not pulling uh, their laser punches. They just like take out Jim right away. Yep. Now I have to, I have to imagine that uh, people are going to at Zed and myself. They were not going to at you because we told you not, we told them not to, but um, there, this has to be something that they have copied from other editions of the show or that show up in other 
country's editions of the show later on. And I think this might be another situation like the corn maze where maybe they don't go quite as ham on the contestants with their temple guards. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. But they go so hard here. Yeah, well, like I'm going to get I'm, we're going to get a million ats from people that are like, well, don't you know that on Australian Mole Season 9, they did this and then no, on, and that's that. okay. yeah, on Bulgarian Mole Season 26, they had something that was like this, but it's tomatoes and like, OK, yeah, all right. Tomatoes. Yeah, they're not pulling their tomatoes either. Nope. Uh, I think this is another interesting factor, though. Uh, Josh, you said production is is going hard and playing to win. Yeah, but like there's no, no there's no guarantee that like no matter what the players do, they can and will win the money uh, yeah. at, at any given time. Um, I think this season may be the time they're the most successful in general overall in building up a pot compared to the other American seasons, where I feel like there are a lot more failures of teamwork. Um, completely lost my train of thought. Oh, uh, that's all right. It was got it got sniped by one of these laser <laughs> snipers. It's like yeah, Brooklyn it Dead's making just too went much red. Dead. We got it. <laughs> yeah, we got to take them out. Oh, it's uh, it's it's. We never fully see like a layout of this abandoned village, but it kind no. of seems like it's this one main drag with a few trees that you inevitably like have to run through in order to get wherever it is you're supposed to go to this church that they can't seem to find despite it having a giant cross on the front of it and being the only building that looks different from the other buildings. Um, and, and so I don't know, I don't know what you do because it doesn't seem like there's ways you can run from one building to another. The snipers have no like designated zones that they have to stay in and they have no reason to, to hide from you when they have guns and you don't. Have have uh, either of you watched Breaking Bad? Yes. I have not, really. Well, well just to, to lightly spoil Breaking Bad, there are these two characters called the Cousins. Uh, and the Cousins are these, like, terrifying hitmen uh, who are so brazen in their assassinations. They'll just, in the middle of the day, they will just walk right into any situation, guns and blazing. And, like, that's what the laser snipers could have done. You know, they're not up against anybody who can retaliate. They could just go into the middle of this small town, just laser pop, laser pop, laser pop all over the place. Yeah, like that, like a machine gun popping out of the trunk of a car and spinning around in a circle. <laughs> That'd be wild. Right. Yeah. I feel like Mayor de Blasio would say this: the snipers have showed restraint in not just running and gunning Show them down yeah. where they're standing, but actually hiding and waiting for the players <laughs> to come out into the open. <laughs> Instead of hunting them down, which they very much could have done with impunity. I yeah, like, give us a couple of weeks on that one. I like, I like, oh, that seems like a tease. I, I, like, I, I like that, uh, uh, when Jim gets shot, like you see him just like expletives flying out of his mouth. Uh, I won't say him is the family podcast, but it's the S word and the F word. And it's really clear that that's what he's saying. I like that they let you figure that out if you, if you really want to know it. I think that's they're respecting our intelligence here instead of like censoring it. So, you know, free speech all for it. Um, I I think it's a very much an artifact of its time that this show plays so fast and loose with joking about people dying because they have executions. And then they have this episode where, you know, they have a couple of episodes where you're running from snipers 
and getting killed and shot. And it's like, I kind of think this doesn't fly in 2020 either. No, definitely not. I don't know that this plays at all anymore, but because it's so hokey, it plays it plays great <laughs> in its current presentation. Nobody dies for real on this yeah. show. I guess that's yeah. maybe that's maybe better. Uh, so th- <laughs> there are three people still alive in addition to Kate. Uh, it's Jennifer, it's Charlie, and it's Steven. But it's really basically just Jennifer. Because Jennifer is the only person who is like moving and doing stuff. Charlie literally is a rock. He is like, he is a, a stone cold, like, tree trunks rooted into the earth as he is not moving and still gets got. He's just standing there and he just gets sniped. Suddenly Charlie just disintegrates into the red matrix pulling. Uh, and then Steven is uh, is basically just like uh, he's got his, his car in neutral and he's like behind the car just like pushing it very very slowly towards the church. Uh, he's going to tell Jennifer like alright I'm going to radio you every single minute. Uh, and if I don't, if I don't check in with you every single minute, I'm dead. And then he's just going to go radio silent. Very suspicious. Um, Jennifer is going to find Kate, and uh, after she walks past the church like four times, you know, this was a moment where I thought, because um, production does know who the mole is, right? That's correct. Right. So Anderson was- does not, but the producers do. So this was a moment where this was the first time I think that I've been like really suspicious of Jennifer is because she's just running everywhere openly in the middle of the village when all of these snipers have been so gratuitous and just like pot shotting you no matter what. And Jennifer's like in the crosshairs and they don't shoot her. She was right there. Um, so I was like, OK, m- maybe. But she also uh, to, I think it's Stephen's point later on, like, I don't know about Jennifer. She seems like so mad about everything. Uh, and she'd be an incredible actor uh, if if she's the mole. But that was that was a moment where I was pretty suspicious. Jennifer's gonna find Kate. They're gonna go to the church, uh, and Kate's like, "Oh no, okay, the moment is coming. I'm going to have to make my call." Uh, and so uh, Kate's like, "All right, so oh, you know how to get to Andy Coops? Tell me." And Kate's like, "No." <laughs> and Jennifer's like, "Excuse me." Kate's like, "No, I'm not going to tell you." And Jennifer's like, "Why not? We have to both run out, and if you know the way to go, shouldn't you tell me?" And Kate's like, "Yeah, it'd be way too complicated to explain." Jennifer's like, "Try me." Uh, and so Kate explains, and Jennifer's like, "Okay, mentally, I get that. That makes sense." Um, the rules state that all surviving players need to be at the church before they move on to ye old cinema. And Stephen hasn't checked in, and so they. Uh, Jennifer decides to make the assumption that this must mean Stephen uh, is sadly deceased um, in the context of laser wars. Uh, so they go and they run and it goes very poorly and both Jennifer and Kate are taken out. They do not, they do not survive uh, the laser war and you see on the screen test failed. Uh, my cat Dougie started crying at this exact moment. Uh, very, I think he thought they were really dead. Yeah, he's like, Dad, no. It's like, it's okay, son. We're going to be all right here. It's just TV. Um, so they meet up with Anderson. Jennifer's really annoyed with Kate and like, Kate should have told me the rules and Kate didn't tell me what to do. And everyone else shows up. They're like, what happened? And Jennifer's like, Kate didn't like tell me where to go for Anderson. They had assumed that Steve was dead, but here he comes. Here comes Steve, doop de doop de doo, walking right in. And uh, as soon as he says, I'm still alive, Kate, who is deceased and has now become a laser gun armed ghost, 
grabs Stephen by the laser bomb vest, puts her gun in like a five-year-old <laughs> to the vest, and says, blah, blah, blah. And Stephen's like, yo, what are you doing? This is why we shouldn't give untrained people guns. He says something like that. <laughs> uh, Very similar to what that. What a cop move. Such a cop. Paraphrasing. Such a cop as he like disarms her. Uh, and everyone's like, hey, why did you just try to assassinate Steven? Uh, and Anderson goes, would you like to tell them? And Kate goes, <laughs> no. As if that's going to work. <laughs> my favorite thing. I feel like my- half this show is Anderson being like, hey, you want to tell everybody what's going on? And the contestants are like, do I no, have to? And Anderson's no. like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Anderson goes, would you like to tell them? Kate says, no. Anderson says, I'm afraid you have to tell them. Uh, so Kate tells them everything. She's like chunking the Goonies. Is like oh, the worst part is uh, she would have got an exemption. She was going to yank all the money. She's like, is this thirty thousand dollars? It didn't seem like much. Uh, and like Jennifer is uh, is furious. Like I'm glad we died. You didn't deserve that exemption, Kate. Uh, and so there's like the, the moral debate now goes down. This is where Jim's like, this isn't wrong. And Henry's like, oh well, some people wouldn't stoop that. Uh, and Jim's like, come on, thumbs down. Thumbs down to that. Uh, so, but Anderson reminds him, like, look, uh, this was this has been over for you know at least twenty minutes at this point because you left the church and Stephen was still alive. Uh, so, well, and I feel like they were already talking about the failed mission before Steve even walked in. Like they were having the okay, we didn't accomplish this mission. This is the summary of what happened today. And word. so, for Kate to then still try and accomplish her task. After dying, after everybody else is there and they're having the like post game huddle uh. to like reinitiate the game, it's just wild. I think she just wanted to know what it felt like. And come on, I, I can't falter. Power corrupts, power corrupts. Uh, absolute power corrupts, absolutely. That's true. Um, but the game is over, uh, but the, the bullets keep flying, the emotional ones, my friends, as Charlie and Jennifer go to war. And Charlie, who will never miss an opportunity to just like viciously drag a fellow contestant, uh, decides as to- long as they are a woman. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as long as they, and certainly as long as they're not Stephen. Uh, Stephen can can goof his way through anything, and I'm sure Charlie is going to be fine with it. Um, but he says, uh, you know, some t- what is what are his his uh, exact words? I have them written down. Sometimes you are an ignorant broad. And sometimes you're a complete a hole, except he says the full a. I yes, I I think change in this whole thing is Jen telling him to take some Viagra and mm-hmm. shut up, and him being like, "Well, I don't need Viagra. I don't need Viagra. Everything works uh, perfectly, <laughs> even though I am an 800 year old man. <laughs> How dare you challenge?" <laughs> A little bit of that toxic M. Um, yeah, so yep. uh, uh, Jennifer uh, says, for the record, I'm not a dumb broad. This is what she tells us in confessional. And I'll be the first one clapping when you take a little exit from this game. Uh, fingies crossed. No spoilies, please. Uh, dinner time. Uh, no maraschino cherries. Uh, uh, none of that. Um what what it 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 did it it did come up that there there was something to feast upon and that is a a dream, a premonition, uh, a prediction. Henry has seen the spoilers. Henry knows who the mole's next victim is, um, and he writes it down 
on a sheet of paper. He says, this person in this envelope shall be going home next. They will be the fourth execution. Henry. That's not how it's going to go down. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's like half correct. I, I kind of hoped that uh, when they opened the envelope up at the end of the episode, uh, that it was going to say, it's me. I dreamed my own demise. Uh, but no, this is just like a little bit like I, I feel like a little bit of uh, salt in the wound uh, for for Henry on his on his way out the door at this point. Um, all right. It's time for uh, we're going to Seville. Let's go to the university, the historic university of, of Seville with all of the great iconography that is worth stopping down and looking at uh, on your tour of the campus. Um, we need to divide everybody up into two groups. We've got $120,000 on the line. Two groups, four and three. Both groups have to be intellectually equal. doesn't seem like anybody gives much of a crap about that. They divide very quickly into the groups of Stephen, Charlie, Catherine, and uh, Stephen, Charlie, and Catherine versus Jim, Henry, Kate, and Jennifer. Um, I feel like I know which room I would prefer to be in. <laughs> Personally. Um, so they I think have we're to, probably in agreement. They have to they have to solve eight problems. They got thirty minutes. They get fifteen thousand dollars per problem. Um and I don't know, these are it's this is not the best TV, I think, is like the problem solving stuff. Like they've got the, the three gallon bottle and the five gallon bottle of water thing. You see that in Die Hard with a Vengeance. Uh, spend a lot of time in Die Hard with a Vengeance figuring that one out. There's this code. I was I was gonna say stuff. this looks this looks a lot like a lot of the types of problems they used to give you if you ever did Odyssey of the Mind in like oh. fifth and sixth grade, mm-hmm. and it was all like I think they literally gave us that water one, and it was things like okay, here are a bunch of ping pong balls, and you have a spoon and an index card and a straw, and you have to get them across the room into the bucket without touching them. Yeah. I, I feel like this is the level you're working with. Yeah, there's like the uh, here's here's a wooden frame. Remove eight pieces so that nothing is touched. Okay, so you just take a little square, big square. Uh, There's the code breaking. You get an M&M out of it. I don't know. You know, this this is the stuff that maybe doesn't translate super well, at least for my stupid brain uh, on television. I bet this would be very fun to participate in. Uh, this is this is a uh, to a point that the great AJ Mass was uh, articulating to me when we were talking offline about the mole of like the mole is the show that he would most want to be on, um, but maybe sometimes struggles to translate to television. I do think that this this piece of it struggles uh, to television. For example, one of the questions is John swears his mother and grandmother are the same age and born on the same day. How is this possible? Someone just blurts out an answer and they move right along. I have no idea what they said. Uh, I missed the the answer. It's his father's mother. It's his father's they're, they're, they're whoever's. Yeah, it's their mother, those. and then their father's mother. Yeah, so their the, grandmother on the other side of the family have the same birthday of the same year. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Um, yeah, it's similar to the one where the the kid's in an accident, and the doctor comes out, and the father's been killed, and the doctor comes out and says, "I can't operate on him. He's my son." Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. it's like was, that. I was thinking that maybe John's mother married his grandfather on the other side of the family and now is also his grandmother. Right? There's a song about that, isn't it? <laughs> it's a good one. 
Uh, we'll hear that at the end of the season. <laughs> Great one. Uh, I like these kinds of things, though, because I find logic puzzles and that sort of stuff really interesting. Um, this is, I'm, I guess I'm just going to keep talking about the genius on this episode. But like the scamming horse race is something yeah. I had a really oh, fun yeah. time playing along with. Like I, I made a little grid and I wrote down all the numbers and all the clues to figure out the answers myself. Um, and I think you need something lo- longer like that almost with more pieces yeah. to it as one continuous thing rather than these separate individual pieces. Cause I also, I paused the video on the triangle one to try and count it. And I never got further than 30 and the answer was 44. And I don't know where that comes from and they don't show it to you, which is the difference on the genius is they'll explain to you what somebody's plan is, whether it's going to work or not. Or once someone finds the trick to solving a problem, they'll explain to you exactly how that can play out or not. Um, And that's a feature that, the mole could have taken from the genius, even though the genius didn't exist yet. Yeah. If time travel is indeed real, but, but I think, I think to that point, I think that that this, this is, um, yeah. Cause I don't, I don't want to rule this out, out of, out of hand. Uh, like I, I think that this could have been a compelling segment of television, maybe in a different era. Like this is a way in which editing on, on things like this, get, get uh, pushed further. They need better coverage uh, of, of the room and everything that's going, they probably need more room within the episode itself uh, in terms of runtime. Certainly that's hard to find if you're uh, a network TV show, uh, not it's, it's hard to fight for that extra half hour or whatever. Um, but this could be like a challenge like this could really benefit from, from, from that. Like the genius episodes are typically pretty long. Yeah. So like that, they have the space to do that. I don't know that right. the space to do that really exists here. And I don't know that like, that level of thought in terms of, um, you know, in, in the ways in which we're praising this as like a really compelling TV product because they're recognizing themselves as a TV product. I think that there is uh, there, this is way there are ways in which this is still, you know, early two thousands. Um, and, and I think that this is for me, this was one of them. The thing that, that is really interesting to me um, is, is less the questions and then more like this drama, the trap um, that Anderson keeps telling them about. I'm going to take you on this illustrious tour of the of the of the university, and they go on this very long, convoluted, winding road to get to a room where Andy Coops then takes them in front of a monitor and says, "Hey, the other team is now solving all of this stuff, uh, and every time they get one of the ones that you guys got right, uh, they are taking 15k out of the pot. Uh, go find them. Uh, good luck. Here's here's the map as he sets it on fire, uh, and so they send Jim off to to run." Um, interesting that they just like kind of make that snap decision. It seems like of Jim being the one to go off when Jim was the one earlier in the episode being like, let's be very careful about choosing when to, to uh, leave somebody alone. Uh, so I just, I, I thought that those two things um, connect well together. Two great tastes that go great together. Um, but the thing that really excited me was when Jim <laughs> finds them and it should just be this open and shut case of, Hey, stop, 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 stop. Uh, everyone you get right we are losing money on because we've already done this and that's the gimmick. And what was awesome is that this game engenders this level of paranoia. Uh, and I also think to an extent, like he's getting like, uh, you know, dummy, dumb, dumb, Steven and, and the bullheaded Charlie uh, <laughs> being like, well, I don't know about that. 
Uh, and so they get into like a little bit of a fight of like, I don't know that I can trust you, Jim. You're a game bot. You're very proudly like into like the mechanics of the strategy. And what if you're the mole? Um, that was awesome that there was all of this like talk about that and everybody who was watching from the other room. Uh, that, that was a really awesome piece of this. And so I think like there's a thing. Yeah. I, I want to actually I'm going to need to check in with Zed on this. So yeah. Zed, I'm going to DM you something before I bring it up. Okay. Um, just so that I make sure I'm not spoiling anything. Okay. Sure. Uh, I think a second right. interesting so pause this is that um the the possibility the potential of someone earning an exemption almost creates like a temporary second mole. Yeah. In a lot yes. of situations. Yes. So that even if you think you know who the mole is, you don't you don't know if Jim was offered the possibility of an exemption if he went and stopped the second team from answering these questions. We know that as the viewers, but if you can put yourself into the mindset of those players, they don't know they have no way of knowing if Jim is telling the truth or not for a multitude of reasons. Yeah. Yeah, that's one of the things that I think is really elegant about the the game design of this show uh, is that the there are these moments. There there are two of these moments in this episode uh, where Kate is whether or not Kate is the mole, whether or not Jim is the mole. Um, Kate specifically has uh, the opportunity to to sabotage a challenge. She is at least temporarily the mole, uh, potentially. Uh, and Jim, because something like that has just been introduced to the lexicon of the game, Jim is now being looked upon as, well, maybe you're angling for some sort of exemption. Um, so I think that they've like very cleverly seeded how, um, I don't know, how crazy this, this game can make you. Uh, and like I think that the build on it has been very appropriate, that this is where we are at week four, um, rather than it being just from the jump. I think it's been like a really natural... Uh, good build to this moment of of paranoia, where and it's the right combination of people too. Where Jim is well, that's yeah, yeah. Well, that's exactly it. Jim is the wrong person to to send into this mix, but also you have the twin dynamics of Stephen and Charlie being very closely aligned. Yeah. Charlie not trusting Jim, but Stephen and Jim working together as well right. so the fact that steven trusts jim is the reason they put the stop to the whole thing in the first place right because they've said that jim and steven have like he, we've shared some intel at this point i think that they've said something like that earlier in the in the season yeah uh, yeah yeah and like Catherine, yeah, did. Catherine's not fighting too hard on this either and so i'm thinking well and the difference Mold in this Mold. instance from who's gonna take it easy is in who's going to take it easy. There, there was no structured time limit to making that decision. Whereas here, and there's a little bit of a production error in that the second team has already started and they account for that later, but there's already the ticking clock of the longer you deliberate making this decision, the more time the other team has to continue solving the problems and taking money out of the pot. So there is a greater motivation to make that decision quickly. And are you going to send Charlie to go run through this university? The old, the cranky old man, you're going to send him running. I mean, to Charlie's credit, he actually does seem to be in really good shape for his age. And you'll continue to see throughout that. Like he, he, he can run. Okay. Or like does all right. But you want to send your fastest person, whoever that is. And you don't have a lot of time to consider if they might have an ulterior motive in being the person to go. Yeah. 
And I mean, like, good casting will have it so that, like, everybody could read as suspicious to a certain person, at least. Uh, so it's just it's a very combustible room. And like uh, uh, the, the people who are who are watching it from a distance of Jennifer and Kate and Henry like Statler and Waldorfing from their room watching on the monitor being like, Oh no, this isn't going well. Like everyone's being an idiot. Uh, was, was really, really good. So $120, uh, $120,000 was on the line. Uh, they get $60,000. So they got halfway there. It's a nice chunk of change that they're throwing into the pot. We're four episodes deep and they're at 300,000 right now out of, I don't know how much, uh, they could potentially be at right now. Uh, 585,000. It's all right. Yeah, it's not bad. Uh, it's interesting, I think, how weirdly weighted some of these challenges are as far as how much money you get. Because sometimes I, I feel like the laser tag was much harder than the trap. And the laser tag was worth $30,000 or like do everybody's laundry for $10,000. And when it's a thing that takes all day. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it's really it's really funny to me how much certain things stand to earn you when other things are much much harder. It seems very random. Yeah, yeah, I I, I noted that as well. Laser tag was really tough, and I think that it probably should have been more than thirty k on the line. Um, I think I I'm 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 fine with the amount of money that was on the line for this one, but I think laser tag should have had had uh, more on the line. Um, speaking of on the line, phone calls home. No, oh, you've been gone for two weeks. How hard, how hard to go two weeks without seeing a loved one? Uh, how difficult to go two whole weeks without contact with somebody that you know and love? Uh, what an early 2000s premise. We here in 2020 are, uh, like, oh, just two weeks, huh? Mm. <laughs> Poor babies. Uh, so they have all their phone calls home. Steven's missing his wife, who I assume is named Pumpkinhead, because he calls her Pumpkinhead. <laughs> um, Catherine misses Brad, fiance. Um, this is where Charlie confesses on the phone, like, oh, I probably shouldn't have done any of this. I should just be home. Uh, I thought that was funny. Uh, <laughs> Jim has no loved ones? Uh, or he gets he somebody's voicemail. <laughs> <laughs> well, I couldn't all. tell if Kate was actually talking to her husband either. Yeah. She says, oh, it's your bowling night. I wonder if she just left him a message. Yeah, uh, but that was a that was a great uh, bit of editing of Jim. Yeah, saying, please leave a message like, oh, <laughs> <That was> really <laughs> and then we talked about this already. The next thing that they show us is is this cool little uh, like um, just like suspicious behavior. Like this is a uh at, at the start, I was maybe a little worried that I, I wasn't going to get to know these people terribly well. And I think like maybe there, there are ways in which like I don't know these people terribly well on a personal level. But in terms of like the stakes and the context of the game, this was a really cool character building exercise of not just like this is awesome in the fourth wall breaking quality of the of the fake production notebook, um, but also like who would go for this, whether or not they're the mole. Catherine's the only one. Catherine's my mole suspect right now. I'm I'm still all in on that. Um, but like, what what a fun idea of like, let's just test and see who is sneaky enough in this moment for either reason. Whether it's because you're the mole and you want to know these people better so that you can better sabotage them, or because you're not the mole and you want to get more intel to like see like how are behaviors lining up with what they say. Like how how is like the like the actual dossier matching in comparison to what you're reading in person so i thought that that was all really really neat well i have 
two observations about this. One is more of an anecdote, really. But the first thing is, I'm shocked that Charlie didn't make a beeline for it, given that he already tried to peek into a production van. Or maybe he just had the fear of God put into him when he did that. Yeah, maybe once bitten, twice shy. That was really funny, though, when like he's like, I would never dare do something like what you've done here, Catherine. <laughs> I, would, I would not dare, Catherine. Uh, cut, <laughs> it's like, yeah, you already did. Cut the two weeks earlier when he like literally tried to like like yeah yeah but anecdotally we used to have a bar here in my hometown where when you went into the ladies room there was a big cabinet over the bathroom sink that said do not open do not look in here and if you opened it it was rigged to a light bulb on the other side of the door and the light would go on and the inside of this door, when you opened it, was just like full of pictures of porn. <laughs> and so everybody outside the bar knew that when you went in the bathroom, you looked at the porn. Amazing. And I feel like this is like the like Anderson is the light bulb and the production book is full <laughs> of porn. And this is another great moment where uh, they're at dinner, another fancy dinner. Uh, I'm I'm really actively now trying not to pause down when I see the food and just tell you what I think it is based on that really quick glance <laughs> of the plates. So this is what I noted: red wine. Everyone's drinking red wine, mm-hmm. uh, and then like some very, very, very like obnoxiously small portion of spaghetti with these weird tofu bricks on on the plate. Uh, Could be is, cheese. That is what I gathered uh, from the from the quick glance at the plate this week. Uh, uh, and this is at dinner, and Andy Coops goes, "So, Catherine." anything you'd like to share with the group? <laughs> and Catherine smiling goes, no. <laughs> I don't. Uh, and I was like, what? Charlie was like, what is he talking about, Catherine? Uh, what, what is Anderson talking about? Uh, you're holding back from us. You're leaving us in the dark. The uh, <laughs> light John Taffer, Jess. Uh, yeah, and- I, I'm going to need more Taffer from you. <laughs> um, and Catherine uh, keeps getting pressed by Anderson of like, what do you know? Uh, I was like, well, what do you know? I'm a lawyer. I know to sit here quietly until you tell me what you know. I loved that from Catherine. Uh, uh, <laughs> I love this from Anderson. His response to that is, well, I think it's fair to say that we know everything. <laughs> <laughs> We know when you go into the porn stall, the light goes off. We've seen. We know everything. Um, so it comes out that Catherine took the bait. She's like, I wish I'd gotten more info out of it, to be honest. Uh, and everyone's like lightly scandalized. Charles like, I would dare do such a thing. What a monster. A monster. It's immoral. It's illegal. Uh, that's, that's, pre- that's pretty solid Josh uh, and uh, then we get that footage of Charlie trying to break into the car uh, and it's quiz time and uh, yeah it, w- what's there What's there to say about the quiz sequences there's not, not a ton I think at least for me uh, Steve's uh, <laughs> Steve, Steve had made this big to do about knowing how to use a radio as a cop and yet he didn't know how to use a radio so some people are suspicious of Steve uh, Steve doesn't think Jen's the mole. She's too emotive. Um, Henry says, I'm, I'm confident. I think I'm going to be all right. If I catch the axe, I catch the axe. Spoiler alert, catches the axe. Uh, he expects right his, face. his prophecy to come true. Uh, at the execution, uh, not only is Henry uh, the fourth one out here on the mole, um, but he is the fourth to volunteer as tribute. And uh, his, his, uh, his name lights up red. 
so he's gone. And in like the, the farewell segment that we always get where everyone is weighing in on the person who's leaving, literally two people weigh in on on Henry being gone. And it's Jennifer cracking up because Henry uh, had made his premonition. And he, here he is, you know, getting getting shown the door bags in hand by Andy Coops. And then Stephen with this quote, I will admit. I felt like taking my own life numerous times sitting through some of Henry's stories, but I like them. Uh, <laughs> I, I, was, was he asked to add that on to the end? That's like a backhanded compliment that like knocks you unconscious and leaves you in a coma for seven years. So you don't get to hear the part of the, yeah. that was a compliment. a compliment. Yeah. 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 I, I really liked, I, here's an interesting point that we got um, in our email. We got, some very detailed feedback from a few different listeners, but Jonathan Krauss gave us multiple points of discussion, and this is a pretty good one to bring up here. Um, he says, everyone's final comments about Henry make it seem like they really didn't like him. Everyone's trying to say nice things, but they're really struggling. I wonder if this has something to do with the fact that he was the only black man on the show, very possible as the topic of inherent racism on reality TV is so important right now, yep. or the fact that he was a 23-year-old bartender from Miami, which is probably the most annoying person that can exist. <laughs> John is from Florida, so he, he may Yes, know. he lives in Florida. Yeah. So. <laughs> he, he knows better than any of us. Yeah, so that's, that's funny. Um, yeah, you know, Henry seemed like he was... he. He seemed like he was on the outs of of the group for for most of it. Um, I I really enjoyed Henry on the show. I thought that he brought a really great dynamic, and he was very uh, like he was very tongue in cheek. The whole like could I be the mom? Like it it did feel like there were times where I couldn't tell how seriously he was taking this. Um, and I and I actually appreciated that. I I like um, I like it. I like sort of the, the the contestant on this show that can be a little hammy and corny with a show that can be a little hammy and corny as well. Uh, so I'm sad to see him go, but to the show's credit, I'm at a point right now where I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to feel the loss of basically everybody. Um, not that I'll feel sad over necessarily everybody, but I'll feel, I'll feel like the void left behind. Uh, like I think that we, of the, of the, six people we have now right i think we're down to yes. six um yeah like everybody brings something to the table at least from an entertainment standpoint um so there's you know it's not none of this is going to be uh easy moving forward there's no there's no easy option uh though if we are to take henry's premonition uh uh seriously then charlie just got final destination right <laughs> Where like he was supposed to be executed tonight, he was not. So is the Reaper coming for Charlie next? Yeah, uh, that lasers in it, you know, it's got its sights on him next. So we'll have to wait and see. That's the mole season one, episode four. A great time at the old cinema, uh, as they say. <laughs> really, really fun. Um, just yeah, well, is there any any other feedback we want to get into, or do you want to get into some games? Um, we got some great feedback from a few people. Um. But I, I want to highlight some of the some of the very funny comments that we got here. Um, we're we're gonna breeze through these because I feel like we didn't get any con we didn't any comments or questions that really like blow up a whole new area of discussion for us. But we got some very funny ones and some very nice ones. So I want to read a little bit of this one from Brendan Fitzpatrick. So he says, "So hey gang, happy to be on the board the mole train now." 
I know I watched this back in the day when it first aired, but like Kirk Clark would say, I have a goldfish brain and have zero memory of exactly what happened or who the mole was. Really glad I decided to actually rewatch it. It's an insane show. So can we get an amazing race check-in on what they have done in Seville as challenges? And I guess that is a me question. Yeah. Certainly and, not a me question. <laughs> um, and they have been to Seville in Spain on Amazing Race 24, the second worst season of Amazing Race. Um, Which one was that? That was the second All-Stars the one second where... One. <laughs> yeah. Well, the worst one is the one where they didn't leave the country and they had children on the show. Oh, family. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so season 24 is the second all-star season where basically it was like the producers of season 22 didn't like the outcome, so they brought back five teams from season 22 and like a few other teams that three of the teams had been on twice already, so it was a very, it was a very lame cast. Um, and they went to Seville and the tasks were awful. They, they, they had a bullfighting task. Of course, they had to get into inflatable bull suits, oh. and they kept bumping into each other in the inflatable bull ball oh, shape. I thought things. that they had to get into- with the Afghanimals, right? Yes, yes, yeah. So they had that. And these are like narrow streets and like bubble boy type yes. situations oh with a little bull head on the front. Yeah, and then they had a Barber of Seville themed task, which stands out in my head oh, as yeah. the worst Amazing Race task that has ever been done. Because I feel like this is something they do at children's birthday parties. They had a balloon <laughs> on a little stand, and they covered it with shaving cream, and they gave you a razor. And you had to shave all the shaving cream oh, off, of the off of the balloon. Oh, that God. was a task on a show with a multi-million dollar budget yeah. on a major network. Yeah. Yeah. They're so, priced out yeah. at that point. You know, they really, it's like, oh, blew all of our budget on the inflatable yeah. bull costume. Yeah. It kind of, I get the feeling that Brendan may have looked this up and decided to wind Trigger up you? <laughs> I, I, I'm legit triggered by this. Uh, um, couldn't tell. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and I, I want to read this question from Nick Fishman, um, who says, what sorts of things would you have wanted to have seen in the notebook that was fake? In mm. an Australian season, there was a time where they were contestants on The Weakest Link and they put the answers to the questions in the book as a morality test. Yeah. Um, I think I would have liked sort of like in the vein of uh, how every every new episode of the Simpsons on the opening uh, montage, Bart is writing something different on the blackboard would have uh, liked if it had said as every single line in the notebook, you shall not cheat. You shall not cheat. You shall not cheat. <laughs> so you know that you get caught. Uh, or even if it's like you. No, no, not caught. even, but it should do that. They should do that a thousand times. And then on one random page, there should be useful information and then just continue. Yeah. The mole is this person. And it's like authentically that's the mole. Yeah. Um that'd be yes. great. That'd be great. That'd be great. Like hidden among all the you shall not cheat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then finally, um, this one's for Josh. Uh Jonathan Krauss again said the sniper sequence is legit scary. The way the screen turns red and the feed cuts when they get shot. How would Josh compare this to a scene in twenty four? 
John, is it really legit scary? <laughs> I, I think I may, I may diverge from your opinion. Bro, don't judge people for being scared of things, John. I may reject the premise. <laughs> I reject the premise that this is scary. Uh, it's, it's super cheesy and really, really funny. Um, shocking is what I would say. Less scary, more shocking. Uh, when... You know, I, so Emily and I have been watching The Floor is Lava. Uh, and, and The Floor is Lava does this too, where like when you lose on The Floor of Lava, The Floor is Lava, and you get like, su- you get sucked into The Floor of Lava. Um, your teammates are like, no! And like the, the, the very first one, spoiler for the first round in the entire thing, if you're going to watch The Floor is Lava, I have to say the name because uh, they bellowed the name of the, per- the first person who gets sucked into The Floor of Lava. Uh, and Emily and I now are bellowing that at each other. Talia! No! Uh, because like they pretend as if Talia has been, um, like liquid magmified in front of their very eyes. Uh, so like the reality show that is like going to sell the fiction of you've just been annihilated by a laser cannon. Um, it's going to be near and dear to my heart, but I'm not going to be able to take it seriously, but I am going to be like shocked and impressed by the commitment to the bit. Uh, so I, I appreciate, I appreciated it on that level. I, I cannot say it was scary. I don't know. In hindsight, I don't know how much of what 24 does is scary. I, I've evolved yeah. too. That's true. Well, if you were watching 24 at the time, you might've felt differently. Oh yeah. I, I definitely did. It's like, Oh my God, Tony Almeida. Yeah. All right, so that's that's it for the f- highlights of the feedback. But what, what um, do we got for games? Please tell me that Zed and I are playing laser tag. I I, I ordered the laser cannons, but they didn't get here they in time. Here so here. so sorry, laser yeah. tag. Yeah. I thought about having you. Yeah. Thought about having you shave shaving cream off of a balloon, but <laughs> I thought that was too cheesy for this podcast. Yeah, sorry. Um, so Bad television worst podcasting. <laughs> yes. So instead, we're going back to the old game where I read you the name, network, year, and description of four reality shows, and you tell me which one is fake and the other three are real. Okay. All right. So in our first category this week is celebrities trying to do other things. It's my favorite. Yeah. Michael Jordan trying to play baseball. Exactly. It's but with a little bit fewer gambling debts. Okay. All right. So first up, we have Fast Cars and Superstars, the Gillette Young Guns Celebrity Race, which aired on ABC in 2007. Celebrities, including John Cena, Serena Williams, and William Shatner, learn the ins and outs of stock car racing with help from the Young Guns, rookie drivers who acted as sort of pace cars for the race rounds. What was the name of the show? Fast Cars and Superstars, colon, the Gillette Young Guns Celebrity Race. That, that sounds real. Yeah, I agree. Like To the point of its sponsorship, like... That's that's so American. <laughs> yes. All right. So next up, we have Celebra Cadabra, which aired in 2008 on VH1. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Celebrities learn how to perform various types of magic tricks in a variety of venues as they compete for a cash prize. Actor C. Thomas Howell eventually won the competition. <laughs> I want this to be fake, Jess, because I want to like live inside your brain where you 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 put C. Thomas Howell as the winner of Celebra Cadabra. I'm I'm hopeful that this is fake because I think that that is that it speaks 
very highly of you as far as I'm concerned. Oh, well, thank you, Josh. Okay. All right. Next up, we have American All-Star, which aired on Fox in 2005. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar hosts this competition that features pro athletes competing in a variety of sports as they seek to win the title of America's best all-around athlete. In a surprise upset, Formula One racer Ralph Schumacher beat out recently retired NBA player Reggie Miller on the final obstacle course. That seems very detailed and plausible. Sounds like Michael Jordan's real life. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Maybe they were inspired by Michael Jordan playing baseball. All right. And finally, But Can They Sing, which aired on VH1 in 2006. Nine celebrities, including Joey Pantoliano, Bai Ling, and Morgan Fairchild, work with vocal coaches as they compete in an American Idol-style singing contest. Now, this would be really wild, Zed, if this one was fake because of the participation of Joey Pantoliano, a.k.a. Cypher from The Matrix, who eats a Matrix piece of steak and says, ignorance is bliss. Uh, (laughs) So if this one is fake then we are living in the Matrix. <laughs> the question is, do you want to be living in the Those Matrix? Those are the stakes. That's what's on the line. Um, Zed, strong feelings towards any of these. Well, I haven't heard of any of the celebrities mentioned, which makes all of them possibilities to be real, because that's usually the case. Um, I agree. I think the racing one is real. We had the... Okay, but can they sing on VH1? I've forgotten what the middle two are. Lepercadabra. Which oh, yeah. That's so great, but probably not yeah, real. Yeah, it sounds like a great Jessica Lee's invention. <laughs> All right. Is that the I one you're going with? Enough, yeah, I don't think there's enough of an appetite yeah. for a magic reality competition show at that point in time. Yeah, I'm going to go with Cadabra, Jess. I think that you pulled this out of it. Much of a treat, as that yeah. sounds. You're wrong. That oh, one was real. Oh, wow. Um, American see Thomas Howell. That's great. Yeah, I, I I've not seen him do a magic trick, but now I kind of want to. Yeah, now I'd I love to yeah. love to rewatch this. Um, yeah. the one that's fake is the um all around athlete competition. Okay, yeah, I sure. did a lot of googling for um athletes <laughs> that were active in two thousand five. The description is very funny as a fake. It's like in a, yeah. in a surprising upset. Uh, yeah, I should say Reggie Miller is actually the uh, the one person I had heard of specifically because I just finished The Last Dance. There you go. Oh, okay. Go. Yeah. Now on uh, American Netflix, if you haven't watched it, I was watching it on British Netflix before it came here, but I highly recommend The yeah, Last Dance on Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. As a 90s child of Chicago, it's a, an extremely nostalgic endeavor for me. That, that sounds great. I will definitely have to give that one a shot. Okay, next category. Dating shows that have not aged well, part two. Uh, (laughs) Why do this to us? (laughs) The infinite parts, I feel like. Yeah, there there are a lot. I I have another category coming up in subsequent weeks that is dating shows that have aged okay, but are still extremely weird. Or dating shows that are on now that have not aged well. (laughs) And yet persist in being on. Yes. (laughs) All right, so we have Date My Mom from 2004 (laughs) on MTV. A contestant goes on three dates with women who would like the contestant to date their offspring and then chooses which offspring he'd like to date based on how the mom date went. I think that's real. You Before you said MTV, I was like, that's an MTV show. (laughs) Well, we have Who Wants to Marry My Dad that aired in 2003 on NBC. 
Um, young adults stage a competition to find a woman to marry their widower father. It's probably also real. We have Age of Love, which aired in 2007 on NBC. A 30-year-old Australian tennis pro searches for love among 13 women, six of whom, the kittens, are under 30, and seven of whom, the cougars, are over 30. Oh, no. What's that called? Age of Love? Age of Love. <laughs> it's not even clever. It's not a tennis pun. It's not uh, because love. Is that why? Yeah. I, yeah. 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 No. Uh, they should have called it 40 Love. And it was yes. over 40 or under 40. I mean, it's still a terrible premise, but that's yeah. at least a better title. Yes, yes. Yeah. All right. Yes. So finally, we have The Setup, which aired in 2005 on the Fox Network. Parents of young singles answer questions and complete and, ch- and competing challenges as another set of parents evaluates whose kid should go on a date with their son or daughter. We don't meet the singles until they're either eliminated or win the date. So like one of these things is not quite like the other. It would be the tennis one. Um, otherwise I feel like we are, uh, we're, we're Kate trying to like flail our laser gun in the right target. I don't really know is that I have, I have no strong feeling on any of these. They could all be real. I'm almost positive. The first two are real. I, I have, I'll, I'll take that. I'll buy it. I have no specific that. recollection or inclination towards the, uh, the tennis pro and the gross age division situation or the, Parents competing for their children to go on dates? I don't even understand the premise. Yeah. We're gonna take what if we're gonna take one out, if 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 we are gonna be basing this on one show is just not like the other three. Do we get rid of the tennis one? I you want to keep the tennis one, the setup. I'm is I'm torn because I I don't understand what the last show is. Yeah, can you uh, read the setup again, Jess? All right. Parents of young singles answer questions and compete in challenges as another set of parents evaluates whose kids should go on a date with their son or daughter. We don't meet the singles until they're either eliminated or win the date. Oh my god! Baffling. All this meddling. <laughs> you know, let everybody live their lives. Um, Choose their own dates. <laughs> Rock, paper, scissors, shoot again? Well, I now I think you're right that like the first two are kids trying to find or Love the their parents. Yeah, the other three are all parents for kids or kids for parents. And what's the tennis description again, Jess? Uh, the the something love. Uh, age yeah, of age love. of love. Yeah. A thirty year old Australian tennis pro searches for love among thirteen women, six of whom the kittens are under thirty. <laughs> Seven of whom the cougars are over thirty. Yeah, I think you made that up. I think that's. I think yeah, that's just that original. One. Yeah, final answer. All right, I must be getting better at this because mm. you're incorrect. Again. All right, which one? Which one? Um, the setup is fake, and okay. um, right. props go to Paul Osselson for helping me come up with that concept. Yeah, good, good. All right, and finally, Congrats, Paul, you monster. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Finally, um, we have our final category tonight is America's Best. And so we have uh, the first of our four offerings in this category. America's Best Pitmaster, which aired on the Food Network in 2008. Amateur barbecue enthusiasts from across the country compete in challenges to prepare spreads based around increasingly obscure cuts and species of meat as they vie for top barbecue honors. Yeah, I mean, that's very Food Network. 
Um, and very American. American Pitmasters <laughs> is what it was called. America's Best Pitmaster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I expected it to be a, a racing show, but but sure. Yeah, the barbecue pit. Yep. Okay. Um, number two, we have America's Psychic Challenge, which aired in 2007 on Lifetime. Great. <laughs> 16 self-professed psychics yes. have their supernatural abilities tested by a variety of experts and are eliminated based on low scores. Yeah, well, I mean... The last one standing. Yeah, I think... Uh, America's best psychic. I think uh, 15 of 16 people are being demonstrated as the frauds that they are, right? Otherwise, they would all win. So it's a public service, really. If, if they were all really psychics, yeah, they should be disbarred from the psychic board. I assume that there's a board. They a board? They have cookies. Board. Yeah. You have to be a board certified psychic. Uh, yeah, I think so. Okay. So number, th- number three, we got America's Toughest Jobs, which aired on NBC in 2008. Contestants compete in tasks inspired by difficult jobs like crab fishing, bullfighting, and monster trucking. The winner receives prize money equivalent to the sum of the average salaries earned by people doing every job they tried. Essential workers, like like monster truck drivers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we need them. The heroes we deserve, not the ones well, we need. Right. We didn't have essential workers in 2008 because yeah. people could just go about their business without dying. Right. Um, all right, what's the last one? America's Most Smartest Model, which aired on VH1 in 2007. America's Most Smartest Model. Yes. Co-hosted by Ben Stein. This show endeavored to find the brains behind the beauty. Oh, boy. Co-hosted by Ben Stein before he got canceled for being a right-wing nut job. This show endeavored to find the brains behind the beauty as models competed in a variety of intellectual and model-adjacent challenges for $100,000 and a spot in a shampoo ad. Model-adjacent. Zed, I think that's real. I think Pitmaster is real. I think the... The, the hardest jobs is real. I think the psychics are, are, are fraud. Yeah, I think so too. I feel like I remember toughest jobs and I and proving think, women yeah. can be smart even if they're pretty also sounds that's so, very American. That's very American. Uh, it's very VH1. Yeah. 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 I'm going to say the psychics are frauds. All right. Final answer? Yes. All right. You're incorrect. Wow. wow. It's a shutout today. It's a shutout. Yeah, the fake one is America's Best Pitmaster, which I came up with literally five minutes before we started recording. I feel like I've seen that, though. I'm sure it's, there's something like yeah, it. Food Network just has so much like barbecue competition. Bullshit. Yeah. And uh, Jeff Goldblum did an episode about barbecue for his show on Disney+. Plus. Oh, cool. And it's quite enjoyable. We've seen it about five times. Yeah, uh, Food Network is constantly doing these weird barbecue shows. And I was sure that I'd I'd seen one that was like very close to that description. So I, yeah. it's likely, yeah, yeah, it's just in the ether. Like you can, every fourth thought is of a Food <laughs> Network show about an American barbecue setup. I all feel right. like I could come up with fake Food Network shows all day, every day. Yeah, yeah, uh, Zed, this is bad. It's yeah, not, it's not great not that, we, that we that we whiffed. Uh, we've we've never shut out Jess. We've had three out of fours, I think. But uh, uh, the legs and hot dogs week. Uh, yeah, and zero and three is tough. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't I don't like this at all. 
just goes to show you how much trash is on top of it or has been on top of it. And, and our, uh, our decreasing ability to discern what is real and what is fake trash. I think the only upside is it goes to show you how much of this we have not watched. Yeah. If there's any redeeming factor. Yeah. I think that is, I will accept that as a redeeming factor. Uh, but I don't know. If it cold is. comfort. I know. Uh, it is cold comfort. All right. Well, we're going to be back next week. The Mole Season 1, Episode 5. Anything out of context that I should look forward to? Or do you want to just keep me uh, pure? Uh, no, 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 no tease whatsoever. Um, I think I think it's better if you just go in totally yeah. stupid. No, it's been great. Well, that, that's not going to change even if you tell me some stuff. <laughs> That's a fixed point in, in the spectrum of, of time. I will say, if you're not watching along with us, you're really just depriving yourself of joy. Uh, Brendan Fitzpatrick said in his feedback that he decided to watch it, but I feel like I guilted him into watching it. Yeah, uh, very likely. So you're welcome, Brendan. You're welcome, Josh. You're yeah. welcome, everybody else. Go watch the show. You'll have a good time. I, I fully agree. Uh, I You have to watch this. This is great stuff. It's great TV. This is uh, it, I, I'm sure this is very nostalgic for those of you who watched it at the time. Uh, I know it is for for both you, Zed and Jess. Um, I, and I have to imagine for many other people, like the people in my seat, uh, this is like opening up a time capsule, being like, "What is in here? This is insane." Um, so uh, just a ride every week so far. So I'm looking forward to to week five. Uh, really excited about that. I think it's going to be super super fun. Uh, you can contact us, Mole Patrol at robhasawebsite.com. That'll take you to Jess and Zed. Uh, you can hit up Jess on Twitter at Haymaker Hattie. You can hit up Zed at Hard Rock Hope. You can hit me up at Round Howard, but do not at me about the mole. Let's talk about anything else. Uh, just about anything else would be would be great. Uh, why don't we close this out with uh, one more wand off? One more wand off for the road. Again, no more wand offs until we get to the end of the season. If you'd like to send us wand offs along the way, that's fine. We're just not going to play anything until the end of the season. Uh, but we will close things out with one last wand off here. This comes your way from Jay and Lauren taking us out here from week four into week five.
It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.